What's up, coaches? Uh, hopefully you guys are doing well. As uh, a lot of off-seasons are starting to come about, we're seeing a huge jump in our memberships on our website, runthepower.com. We've got a lot of really, really cool videos uh, going out to you guys. Uh, we've got over 200 members on our uh, free membership, which is really exciting that we get to uh, bring a, a lot of really good content to you guys for free. And we've also seen our premium memberships grow as well. Uh, you guys make sure to go check out, see what else we're doing outside of the podcast uh, to help football and help football coaches around the country. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. It's really cool. Uh, Team Builder set up a wonderful deal for our listeners only. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. Enter the promo code RTP and then we'll load a 10-week football off-season tro- training program onto your trial account absolutely free. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Go visit them at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com, and on your free trial, uh, enter the RTP code. This episode is also brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, uh, that being Broken Arrow and Ankeny High School, they both invest in Guardian Caps this year, uh, and, and we feel they're helping our guys. Broken Arrow, we're a, a, a tough smash mouth team, uh, and, and it's helped our guys out, and it's helped our helmets out. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice, used uh, by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them. Uh, go check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and get some pricing. Uh, and and the, the coolest part, especially other than the safety of the of the kids for coaches, is the, is the price. Uh, they're a lot more affordable uh, than you would think when it comes to helmets. Uh, and, and it's a helmet cover, but anything to do with helmets is normally very expensive. They're, they're very affordable. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. Uh, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info at sidelinepower.com or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Matt Lean. Matt is currently the Assistant Director of Athletics for Development at North Dakota State University. Lean was also a four-year starter at Augustana University where he played for Coach Walls. Listen as we talk with Lean about how the Bison have built a culture of winning and excellence that is unrivaled in college football, clarification and tips for potential student-athletes in being compliant and eligible, and his unique world adventures through the game of football and family. You can follow Matt Lean on Twitter at Matt underscore Lean 376. Hope you guys enjoy. 
Well, lean man, the way we normally do this, we, uh, we kind of let you introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about your journey through, uh, the football world. If you took yeah. any adventures outside the football world, I know you have, you're kind of one of the, uh, the world's most interesting men. Um, oh, right. Right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll let you tell your story and then we'll, uh, kind of just roll from there. Uh, coach, coach Harper, this is Matt lean. I, uh, I actually had the honor of kind of coaching him when he was at Augustana. He was on the defensive side. I was on the offensive side, but he was always one of, one of my uh, favorite guys on the team. Really smart dude and a really good football player. Yeah, Coach, Coach Harbert, good, uh, good to meet you through the, through the phone here. I actually had to, so we'll kind of get to that. I've actually spent some time down in your, your neck of the woods myself, like, like, uh, like Brady did. So I'm, I'm originally from Duluth, Minnesota. Um, uh, the uh, the football mecca of Duluth, Minnesota. I think they I think they shield like one high school team out of that town of ninety thousand now because everyone's uh, everyone's too busy playing hockey and all that other stuff. So uh, after uh, yeah after high school went down to Augustana. My recruitment was kind of uh, still in the world of the NCC. I don't I know I know Brady is I don't know uh, Coach Harper if you're familiar with the North Central Conference but back in the day it was kind of the. Um, it was kind of the, uh, the the conference in Division Two with uh, you know North Dakota State, South Dakota State, South Dakota, and North Dakota, and all those kind of teams that have now since gone Division One. So um, ended up going to um, Augustana College at the time was Augustana College now Augustana University um, because uh, the guy that was the you know recruiting me at the time by the name of Jim Hines made my mom cry in our living room um, <laughs> when, uh, when he was recruiting me. So hang on one second. Sorry, I just had a, I had a legend pop into my office here, Pat Simmers, former, current administrator at NDSU, former offensive coordinator at Wisconsin when they ran four plays. Um, <laughs> uh, he wanted to know if I wanted to head to an establishment here after work, but I had to let him know I'm tied up. But uh, no, Jim Heinitz was. Uh, he, you guys maybe now hear him. I'm not sure. He's the uh, he's the CEO of Furniture Outlet USA now. He has awesome radio commercials. And he just <laughs> broke my mom down in this recruiting <laughs> meeting where she was. He was like telling her like, yeah, North Dakota, North Dakota State, and Minnesota Duluth. Like they have you know bigger programs and nicer things than we do. But at Augustana, your your son's gonna be loved. And after that, like my mom was like. I think you have to go there. And so I, uh, I went there, had a great experience, played strong safety there. Um, got to start all my years there, got to play a ton of football, which was, which was a blessing. Um, something that a lot of kids don't get to do. Um, got to play against some really good players, some, some guys that played in the NFL now, um, that, that are still playing football. Um, it was such a good league back then that, um, it was fun to play with playing, even if, even if the, uh, the fighting Aggie doggies weren't always coming on top or coming out on top. Um, we, we struggled a little bit with our two deep as, as, as coach walls can attest to our, our starters were right there in the league, but the two deep, my God, I mean, we had some, we had some guys in the two deep that probably, you know, just weren't the, the type of quality that, the, that um, UNO and, and UND and USD and all these guys had, but. Um, as soon, as, soon as you sub some of those guys in, I mean, you, you would see power and you would see them running right at those guys. I mean, they knew <laughs> yeah. it immediately. You got a, you got a six foot one, 217 pound D tackle from Emory, South Dakota in there, put, <laughs> putting eight knuckles in the ground against some guy that's going to go block in the NFL in a couple of years. And yeah, I'll tell you what, the offensive lineman got to the third level pretty quick at that point. Uh, <laughs> 
No, I, I swear, though, there was a game, and um, I don't know if Brady was around for this. So there was a game where we played at Nebraska-Omaha, and current NFL tight end Zach Miller was their starting quarterback. I think he plays for the Steelers, or at least he did. He's still in the NFL. Maybe he's playing for the Jaguars now, actually. He was a stud in uh, in college. He couldn't throw the ball for anything. Like, honest to God, when he threw it, it looked like he was throwing a wet newspaper. I mean, the kid the kid could not throw the football, and he was starting at quarterback at one of the best teams in Division Two, and they pounded the ball at us so bad that I think they ended up beating us. Like, it wasn't that lopsided of a score. I think it was like 52-28, which doesn't look that bad. But I kid you not, they averaged like 12 yards of running play. <laughs> like they were just, they just pounded us. Uh, they were running triple option at that time, and we just had nothing for it. I mean, they were bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I remember that being one of the more demoralizing experiences I ever had. So um, you, you probably had like 24 tackles at safety. Yeah, well, we, I played strong safety, but I remember our free safety, uh, my my junior year when we almost beat Omaha the next year, that's just how crazy football is. We had, we were up on them big and we beat them. I think, like, I had 17 tackles, and then our, my, my counterpart, Brian Baumgartner, who was a good player in college too, I think he had, like, 24 tackles, and that's just kind of the way it works against triple option at safety, right? Like, just running the alley all day, trying to hope, hopefully that. By the, in, in four quarters of football that their 260-pound tailback doesn't saw off one of your kneecaps so bad that you can uh, keep playing. Well, that, But honestly, that was – I mean, pretty much that was the defense because you talk about you and Bomber, you know, who obviously I know pretty well as well. But, I mean, you guys were both big safeties, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 200-plus. I mean, hell, you probably played about 230, didn't you? 225, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, I played about 230 pounds, and that was uh, I, I kind of like that. That was, I think, born out of the the NCC days when every team in the NCC at that time, I mean, no one ran spread. That was still yeah. at the point where spread was kind of a novelty, and uh, we played a bunch of cover four uh, where you set your feet at eight yards downfield, and, um, and, and as Brady, as you know, Coach Aldrich, our defensive coordinator, had kind of a funny saying about tight ends, which you'd be lined up over at safety you know then a lot of 21 and 22 personnel where he'd say tight ends can't run or catch until they prove otherwise and so yeah. you kind of you, you kind of almost disregarded them um in terms of being able to play you know playing the run first and so we we're almost kind of like uh fourth and fifth linebackers um that thought we could cover a little bit um but yeah, a fun defense to play safety and because it was kind of drawn up as, as you know like the middle linebacker and the two safeties were both going to make about 115 tackles a year. So it was kind of a fun, a fun defense to play in. So, um, yeah, after Augie, I got a chance. I played in the Sioux Falls Storm for a year, which was fun. Um, Coach Aldrich was the defensive coordinator for the Storm. Got to play at them. Arena ball is not made for six foot three, 230 pound safeties. So I'll just, uh, <laughs> clue you guys in on that. So I had a good time. I got to meet guys all over the country and kind of meet guys with diverse backgrounds, which was really cool. Um, we won a lot of games, obviously, with the Storm. They've been so successful, and Coach Riggs does such a good job there. Um, and then went over to Europe and played a year. Um, I played for a team in Barcelona, which was an awesome experience. I mean, they treat you like a king over there. And NFL Europe had disbanded then, so there were still a few guys sticking around from that. But the ball in Europe was so funny because we would play a team, you know, from – Oh, Venice or Germany or, or Vienna or Germany or Austria or something like that. That would probably be like a solid 
excuse me, like a solid current NSIC team. And then we would play like a, like a team in our Spanish league that was brand new. And I mean, like, you know, high school teams in Iowa would just beat the shit or beat the crap out of these teams. Where, so it was just kind of funny. So like the Americans, like we had a kid that got a, had a you know, came back and had some mini camp days or, or uh, training camp days with the lions. that was playing quarterback with us. We had, a kid by the name of Sean Hayes playing linebacker for us. I played at Harvard and he's actually the current uh, strength coach for the WWE. Um, I was telling Brady, a guy that you guys have to have on this podcast because no one loves football, weightlifting and wrestling more than this kid. And he, and he would be so fun to talk to because he's kind of seen it all with his time with the Texans and now with the WWE. But like, they would just tell us like, Hey, uh, this weekend against this team from Spain, you guys don't have to play if you don't want to. <laughs> so they would go out and just like, right, you know, so like there'd be like a month would go by where we'd play only Spanish teams or, you know, we wouldn't play and we were getting paid a little bit and going to the beach and showing up to games like a half hour before kickoff. I mean, it was just, it was just a crazy thing over there. I mean, the football was okay, but that wasn't really the reason why we did it. I mean, I still remember having like these German guys that were our, o, that were like some of our O linemen, like smoking cigs at halftime. and. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, good experience over there. And then I, uh, yeah, I came back and went to law school and kind of about six months into law school, I decided I did not want to be a lawyer, but law school was a good experience for me. And I went through and got my law degree and, and kind of decided that I wanted to get into college athletics because, uh, um, that was kind of where my passions lie. And, uh, actually a law degree, pretty popular degree for some, for, um, for each administration to have, um, at least, uh, you know, one or a couple, especially at that higher level. And so, um, started out at South uh, University of South Dakota, um, um, in, in compliance where they had one of the greatest guys in all of college athletics as their head football coach at the time by the name of Joe Glenn, who I, uh, got to talk to a little bit. Joe won national championships at, uh, I believe Montana and then had some great runs at Northern Colorado and then at back at his alma mater, USD. And then from uh, USD went down to Oklahoma state where I was working the compliance office for a few years for the Cowboys and just had a awesome experience there. I mean, Stillwater, as you guys know, is such a good vibrant college town and um, the football that they play there is obviously as exciting as ever. And, um, you know, with their offensive schemes, I've never seen a program that throws more, verts and vert concepts in my entire life as Oklahoma State I mean you talk about fun football to watch as a fan I mean they got that ball in the air going 40 yards downfield I mean it seemed like just about every other play and then uh and then I get a chance to come up to North Dakota State and kind of transition out of compliance and and uh be an assistant AD here and uh working with uh development and raising money and I get to see kind of the flip side of Oklahoma State yeah, um, in terms of football, right? Like, yeah. I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not sure Oklahoma State and North Dakota State could be any different in terms of their philosophies and how they're going to try to beat you. But, um, man, both fun to watch. I'll tell you that. Well, I got to ask the big question because I haven't met. We've had many compliance people come through when I was at Houston, and not. I don't think <laughs> one of them liked their job. I think they all hated life. None of, the, none of the kids, none of the coaches liked them. I mean, it was it was not a good spot. Did, did you enjoy yeah. uh, parts of the compliance though? Uh, getting to do that, or you, you know, there was some parts that were there were some parts that were yeah, there were some parts that really were enjoyable. So the parts that were, that I really enjoyed is I got to meet a ton of coaches, like you know, guys that have been really successful from 
you know, it didn't obviously, you know, work day to day, like with a guy, like with, you know, coach Gundy or anything like that, but all the other coaches, I mean, we're talking about people that are at the top of their profession and you're working on, you know, you're working with them on, on different ways that they can recruit and, and evaluating kids academically and things like that. So the interaction with, with the coaches and the student athletes was an awesome part of the job. There are some parts of compliance that just weren't for me. And yeah, they kind of started to drag on a little bit in terms of, um, yeah, kind of being the, the, you know, the, the sheriff of the athletic department turned to telling people that they can't do things. You seem to always be telling people no, um, which isn't that fun. Right. And so, right. um, like, like some of it, dislike some of it. I, I knew that compliance was my way in, but was never going to be what I did for the rest of my life. I, or I actually had a chance to kind of advance past the uh, Oklahoma state to, to the university of Minnesota in compliance. That would have been a promotion and kind of advancing my career in compliance. And then at the same time had this opportunity in North Dakota state. Um, and I've got some ties to this area and this is obviously such a phenomenal program that I, it was kind of a no brainer for me to get out of compliance and get on to the external side that I am now. What were some of the things maybe you saw in compliance that, uh, <clears throat> that athletes had problems with, you know, transcript wise or, whatever it might be, you know, or some common things, because I think a lot of coaches yeah. maybe overlook that with their kids and they need to kind of stay on yeah, top I think of it. The biggest, the biggest thing with high school kids is you have to have an awareness that it starts as a freshman. And that's so hard because so many kids um, either aren't thinking I'm a college athlete or parents aren't thinking they're going to be a college athlete or coaches aren't thinking that this certain kid's going to be a college athlete. But as you guys know, there's rules at all different levels. And so there's obviously can be a wide range of kids with different abilities that make it to college, but also um, academically with what you're putting your, you know, what, with what you're doing with classes. I mean, uh, it starts as a freshman and, and you have to be on top of that and you have to, um, you have to have your classes and your credits in order because you can be a really good student or, an okay student and not have your, not have the, the types of classes, your core classes figured out um, until you're a junior or senior year. And now they've got rules where you can't backload your transcript like that and go back and load up on a bunch of core courses to try to meet the criteria. And so what I used to always try to help high schools with is having a, a guidance counselor or a young coach that would maybe a couple times a year, hold a little seminar or an open house for parents and, you get people to turn out if you say, if you think that your kid may one day be a college athlete, right? Every parent that has a kid that's in sports shows up, right? Because every parent thinks their kid's going to be a college athlete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, and you talk to them about these different things about, hey, hey, like your kid's got to be in a core math right now. He's got to be in a core science. He's got to be in all these different things. He's got to be getting his good grades now. This is what he's going to have to look at for ACT, SAT. And I think that you just got to get it on the radar early because you see so many kids that, you know, nowadays, especially from kids that are maybe from impoverished areas or have switched some high schools where you just get, I mean, we dealt with kids at Oklahoma State all the time where, I mean, there's obviously they're big time athletes and they have no, and, and, and they have the, they have the, uh, you know, the smarts and the intelligence to obviously go to college and succeed, but they were kind of handcuffed by the fact that they maybe moved to a few different schools and they got, they got tied down on their core classes and weren't able to, you know, meet criteria. And then, and then you're sending kids to some to some JUCO programs, whereas you guys know there's some JUCO programs that are terrific and they've got good coaches and that they're on top of those kids and they move them on. But the JUCO atmosphere and some programs, I mean, kids obviously go there and they really struggle. And so you kind of see kids' dreams fade out after that. So 
I mean, it's important to, to know about it early. Um, and then, you know, obviously if, 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 if you've got a student athlete, if you're a coach and you've got a student athlete that's struggling, I mean, get them, get them help and get them help early in terms of, uh, some extra tutoring or get them hooked in with a guidance counselor or an administrator that understands that, Hey, this kid is, um, got the ability to maybe get some of his college paid for. And this might be the only opportunity that he has, he or she has to get to college and that we need to give he or she a little extra attention here because this can be, as you guys know, being able to go to college and get an education and possibly it for free in certain sports, that can be a life changing opportunity for, for a lot of people uh, where that might be their only opportunity. So I think it's, you know, stressing the importance to parents and administrators and coaches that, Hey, we got to get a, we got to get ahead of this quickly. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, I've seen I've seen it change. You know, multiple kids' lives that really probably had no business being in college, but because of football, were able to make their grades in high school good enough. And then, you know, weren't the just most intelligent kids in the world, but worked hard in college, and then, and now they're you know college graduates, first ones in their family. And so it is kind of exactly. cool to see that because it just gave them a chance. Yeah, and, and there's some people like, oh, hey, you're not you're not going to college just to play football, and that's true. But it's okay if football is what got you to college, right? It's okay to embrace that, I think. I mean, there, there's just no doubt uh, that, that that's okay. I mean, there, I don't think there's any problem with that, but I think then, you know, it has to be reinforced to kids is, hey, football football got you to college, right? But now, you know, let's capitalize on the opportunity that a lot of kids don't get to have, um, you know, some, some or all of your education paid for. I mean, I think there's so many student athletes out there that don't realize how huge – of a kickstart to your life that is to, to graduate college and to have a degree and to possibly have no debt and things like that is a huge advantage. Lean, talk a little bit too about, you know, cause I, I it was one of the things I always admired about you. You know, you, you were always very, very outgoing, you know, you'd come in the office and, and you'd hang out and, and you could kind of be the chameleon get along with a different, you know, group of people. How much did football have to do with that? You think you would still have that kind of personality or maybe learn some of those you know, job skills, social skills, if you wouldn't have played football? Man, I, you know, I, I really, <laughs> I really don't think so. I, I talk about, I mean, that's one of the things that I love the most about sports is I think, I think that just prepares you for so many different, for so many different situations in life. I mean, you think about college football or even high school football for that matter. You, you, you think about a kid going into a college football locker room where in most cases you don't know one person. And you've got to, you know, make that work and you make friends and you start relationships and you fit in, right? You fit in with this group of, in some cases, when you're a freshman in college, I mean, those seniors, those 50 year seniors, I mean, they seem like men to you, right? I mean, you're <laughs> an 18 year old kid and these are men and, and you fit in. And then all of a sudden, I think you get in, you get through your life and you start a new job and that doesn't seem like anything, right? I mean, you you were you were 18 years old trying to fit into a locker room of 100 men and didn't know a soul of them and you made it work and you ended up um you know battling with these guys i think that it just it does prepare you um socially and you know with your with your work ethics and with your you know being able to get along with groups and dynamics like that i think that it's a huge advantage and i think that it's all sports but football for some reason because of the sheer size of the teams. And as you guys know, like with that physical game, there's a little bit of that 
masculinity that goes with it when you're a fifth year senior and a freshman where Mm -hmm. it's just a different way of fitting in with, uh, with, with people and with guys that I think is an intimidating situation for every freshman in college and you have to get through it. And then I think it's just one of those things where later in life, like there's just not any, I mean, you're just not going to be intimidated by social settings in terms of fitting in with people and, and things like that. Well, then, like you said, you know, you get into a real regular job and, and it's like, it's like everything is just a thousand times more easy than college football was. <laughs> Your days well, go yeah, down, and we, whatever, eight hour days, 10 hour days, or maybe even 12 hours days, but they're not huge, long 18 hour, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, all well, we, we talk about that. Yeah. We talk about that here. And obviously NDSU, like the culture that they've built, I mean, people have probably heard it over and over and probably roll their eyes at it. And honestly, you kind of do until you're part of it here, but and you really see what they've got going on here. I mean, like our football players, for instance, you know, we're going to talk a lot of football here. Like these kids are getting up in the morning. They're getting over here at the facility at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they're doing either their running or their lifting program. And then every kid in our program that's here for the summer either has to be in a full boat of classes or working full time or a little bit of both, right? Or you're working half time and you're doing class half time. And then you come back at night and you, uh, you're doing your other workout, whether you ran or lift in the morning. Um, and then all of a sudden it's seven o'clock at night and you've worked a full day or gone to class for a full day. You've done two workouts. And I think that the kids get out of here and they're like, Oh, 40 hour work week. I mean, what is that? I can, <laughs> handle, right. I can handle that easy. Right. Like I don't have, I don't have coach Kramer, you know, crawling up my, you know what, yelling at me at six o'clock in the morning, um, about, you know, my weights or weightlifting, things like that. So I think, I think that in situations all across college, these these kids work so hard and they've got to be so dedicated if you want to start, if you want to play, if you want to be a successful college athlete and stay eligible and get your degree that these kids get out into the real world. And I think that it's, I don't want to say easy, but it's almost like, uh, it's almost like they get to take a breath when they get a a full-time job. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That was exactly the thing that, that went, you know, what happened to me, and, and it was it just almost everything's just so much, you know, easier. Like you said, no one's yelling at you all the time. It's, it's uh, <laughs> days are a lot shorter. It's been great. Um, you talked a little yeah. bit about the, you know, NDSU culture. One of the things I think is so, is so crazy to me, and I didn't really know about the, the grandeur of North Dakota State until the last few years. And I know, obviously, me and Coach Walls are huge fans. It's, it's you know, by far my favorite college team now. Um, and then our, our offensive coordinator at Broken Arrow, Coach Wilkinson, also a huge North Dakota State fans. Uh, you know, we happened upon some film, and that's all we've watched all offseason is North Dakota State <laughs> film. So, um, yeah. but, but it's kind of crazy to me how few people realize, I mean, just how dominant of a football program North Dakota State is. I mean, especially down yeah. here, maybe not up north, but, you know, I, I didn't know about it till my probably senior year of, of college. I'd never heard of them, didn't know anything about them, but, I mean, just a dominant, dominant program. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's, you know, there's been a couple things that have gotten them there in terms of their 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 notoriety. And obviously, winning the national championships is is the first thing. And, you know, what kind of is, is sad to me is that because it's an FCS program, uh, I think some some people – you know, kind of turn their head to it, six national championships in seven years. But what people, I think, fail to realize is six national championships um, in seven years. And what else 
what other league, what other sport, what other level of anything is that happening? I mean, it just doesn't happen. So I don't know how people can poo poo it when it's not happening in, you know, the NBA, the NHL, all of college football at any level. So why is it different just because it's FCS? I mean, winning six, you guys know you're, you're in the game, winning six national championships in seven years is essentially impossible. Right. And so the fact that they've been able to do that, um, had a coaching change, kept a guy on that's just a, a wonderful coach now, Coach Kleiman, that um, is our head coach that was that was working under Coach Bowl um, before Coach Bowl left. The fact that they've been able to sustain that success when they take everyone's best punch and everyone uh, you know is coming to the dome and in, in, in the playoffs wanting to be that next team that's beat NDSU. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what they what they've been able to do. Um, and then obviously the big games that they played against the FBS programs. It's been well well documented that they've won that they've won six games in a row against FBS programs and I'll tell you what the one the one that I was a part of was the game against Iowa it was actually my first week working here and you'd have to go back and look at the stats but uh, I know one thing that you guys I mean a wall's a year in Iowa so you probably followed it I mean the, the second half numbers in that game are just ridiculous I think I think Iowa actually had negative rushing yards and NDSU ran the ball for like 200 something yards in the second half. I mean, this is a big 10 team that pounds the rock, right? That's what, that's what Iowa does. They pound you and North Dakota state in the second half pounded those guys. I mean, they pounded them up and down the field. It wasn't even statistically, it shouldn't even have been that close. And it was just one of those things where, I watched that game and I was just, I mean, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by, by that, by that game. And it was one of those things where when you, you know, kind of thinking back now and you talk to our coaches and our student athletes now is they've developed this culture where they were winning is so much a part of what they do here that they went down to that game, number nine ranked team in the country, sold out Kinnick stadium and they, they from the from the opening kickoff, they thought they were going to win the game. I mean, there's just you, you just don't find that everywhere. I mean, it's I think you know I, I think some people underappreciate just how hard winning is, how much it means to win. It's it's so hard. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's hard to win in the WNBA. It's hard to win in FCS football. I mean, you guys get it. Trying to win state championships and and all that kind of stuff. It is hard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm. I mean, you, you if. You know, Oklahoma won six out of seven. Everyone, that's all you'd hear on ESPN every single day. And, and so that's all it'd be. I mean, yeah. and Alabama's like there. You know, that that type of that type of world. I think they would have they won four or five in ten years or something like that. But I mean, that, that that's what I'm saying. That type of dominance just doesn't happen no. really ever. And so uh, if this ends at some point, which you know, at some point in time, it has to. Um, it's just not probably going to happen again for a really, really long time. Um, and, and I know you boys love the way that they do it. I mean, I, I used yeah. to think that I liked watching oh, – and, and I do. I like I liked watching Oklahoma <laughs> State throw throw 40 vert concepts against Texas Tech and, and you know, throwing the ball for 650 yards. And that, that, that has a place. But I'll tell you what, man, when NDSU's got that ground game going, I mean, there's a couple of possessions – this year in the playoffs, I can't remember. I think it was against Sam Houston State where yeah. they've got the ball up in negative 20. They don't put a wide receiver on the field <laughs> the entire drive, and they just pound it all the way down the field. And it's one of those things where it's when it's the team that you're rooting for, oh, man, that's a lovely, that's a lovely style of football to watch. 
Yes, we and and we've we've seen it from the fans on Twitter too. We've we posted a oh, few yeah. tweets about North Dakota State and you know running power and, and getting after people. And the the fans came out in droves on Twitter. You know, love love North Dakota State. All the all those fans <laughs> love North Dakota State, and they're well, that's out it, on yeah. Twitter about it. Well, that's our brand here, and if people have embraced it, right? Like, you know, it's just one of those things where they've become good at it and they've won with it i think you know to be completely honest with you if north dakota state was up tempo and ran the spread and that won them six out of seven national championships that the fans would really like it too right but <laughs> yeah. there's something about there's something about this style and this part of the country that's really blue collar where that 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 style fits it fits with the people it fits with recruiting i mean have you guys ever walked through a grocery store in north dakota or minnesota i mean there's big people everywhere. And so you can find people that want to come here and they're happy as heck. If you've got a kid that's a tight end in North Dakota and you tell him he's going to come here and he's going to block um, for power run game. I mean, that, that, that gets that kid excited. And so I think, you know, our fans love it. Um, I, I think that what's, and you guys get it. I think what's underappreciated is like, I think power run game is looked at as like, um, not complex and that the spread is super mm. intricate and complex. And I think mm-hmm. it's the, well, I mean, they're both complex, but I think it's almost the exact opposite, right? Like the level of execution to be a successful power run football team, I think is, is, you know, is, is at the top of football in terms of how detailed and how assignment driven you got to be. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think <clears throat> obviously, I mean, growing up in the North and hell, you know, you grew up in Duluth. I mean, what the sunshine three days out of the year up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. you, guys, you guys are playing on a, on a hockey rink basically. And a lot of people have asked, well, hey, how come you always liked, you know, power football coach Walls? you were a receiver. I'm like, well, you have to run the ball up North to win. And then now yeah, you look well, at, you look at these programs that are winning up there and you look at the dynasty that is North Dakota state. They're doing it in a state where traditionally most recruiting analysts wouldn't say, Oh my God, that state's just loaded with talent or they're in right, the, the exactly. Northern Midwest. And, and you see a lot of these other programs that are, that are good too. I mean, South Dakota state has, has a heck of a program. You know I mean? They're, they're finding ways to use that to their advantage. You said, Hey, we have big people up here. Cool. You better be able to deal yeah. with big people smoking you in the mouth and we're going to hit you for four quarters yeah. and that's just what we do. And, you know, I think when you talk about the programs up here, when, when I was playing in college, the University of North Dakota did exactly what NDSU does right now and mm-hmm. they blasted people. Then they went to spread. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have went to spread, but they went to spread and it just didn't work. And now I think they're getting closer back to that power football game because that's just what – that's just what works here. I mean, look at Wisconsin. I mean, that's what yeah, kind of drives yeah. me nuts about being a Minnesota kid that that's always followed the Gophers. Like, it's like look at what Wisconsin's doing with a lot of guys from from Minnesota. Um, I mean, <laughs> and Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. Like, get the. I mean, Wisconsin hasn't had a bunch of guys like a bunch of skill guys playing in the in the NFL. Like, they've obviously had good players, but they got the big uglies up front that are just kicking the snot out of people year in and year out. I mean, they're, I'm guessing they'll have the best offensive line in college football again this year. I mean, a bunch yeah, of six foot seven, return. yeah, six foot seven, 360 pound, you know, kids <laughs> from Rhinelander, Wisconsin or something that are just, they, they embrace that style, right? Like they want to do it. So um, it works here with our, with our, our fans love it. Um, we have got such amazing coaches here and the way that coach Kleiman has kept his kept his staff together with the amount of success that we've had 
is also unheard of. I think you guys have probably tracked it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we, we lost a gentleman, a great young coach by the name of Atif Austin, took a job with the um, New England Patriots this year. Uh, filled him in with a guy by the name of Jason Ray, who I actually worked with at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the exact numbers, but there's been like there's been zero um, staff members lost, or or just a couple, maybe one a year, um, a couple total during this dynasty during this run. And to have the success that we've had, and um, and to not lose coaches is a huge huge nod to our administration and to Coach Kleiman to be able to keep those guys around because obviously there's no doubt these guys have had opportunities, right? I mean, they've been so successful. So, Well, yeah, and I want to touch back on, like you said, the complexities of, of running, you know, a power-style uh, offense. Like you said, everyone, for whatever reason, got really caught up in the spread, no huddle, RPOs, all this stuff off of it. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of everyone went to that, and every coach you hear – man, they want to make their way to Texas Tech. They want to make their way to Washington State or, or Oklahoma State yeah. or whatever. And I never hear any coaches say, let's go learn what North Dakota State does, at least not in this part of the country. Let's go well, right. learn what they the do. About it, They're six-time yeah. champions. You know, but well, and the they want to go that, learn yeah, someone else that wins six games a year. <laughs> yeah, and the, and you guys know too. I mean, I mean, Brady, you get it. Like the stuff that they do, like, you know, the power football run game, like, you can run that out of spread and out of shotgun. A lot of teams do. That's kind of what it is too, right? But, um, yeah, I think that we do have – I think we're starting to get more and more coaches, and, and this is just a guess, that want to come here and learn. Our, our coaching clinic's always a big hit every year. But, um, yeah, coming from a guy that, that played defense, I mean, they, they run some stuff that would make your head spin. You guys have probably seen, like, my favorite thing is when they – I mean, it's actually out of shotgun, so it's not really this – you know, you wouldn't think it's power football, but it totally is. If you guys ever seen when they get into, like, this kind of, like, diamond formation with mm-hmm. the two the two backs and then the pistol back, the two backs one that, on like, each side of the quarterback. And, and pull and read the backside Dude, third. that – I mean, if, if you – and then, and then yeah, so they do, like, that pin and pull, and then they run that with the two lead backs, and they, these guys are just chopping knees off of safeties downfield. And then I think they averaged, like, 12 yards of – a run play out of that formation this year and then the problem is is like they run that twice and then they they go qb keep off of it where mm-hmm. the uh they run essentially a gap power with the quarterback <laughs> and like Tari. every time they do it it's just gash city i mean it is <laughs> because they've got people flowing so hard i mean and that type of stuff and then with those two backs that have kind of let out you know around on that almost like that sweep action then they run where the they pull it, and then the quarterback throws a play action where these or the the two backs kind of run that wheel concept, which the Eagles are now running with Carson. Um, I don't think they've ever thrown that play where a guy wasn't open by twenty yards. I mean, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Like our fans almost know when it's coming now, right? Like they run. That was the game winning touchdown against, the, or the game tying touchdown, or in the fourth quarter against Iowa. They 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 run these plays, and I mean. Uh, when you're a safety and you've got all that kind of stuff to worry about or an outside linebacker or something, I mean, that's a lot, that's to me a lot harder to, to defend and to worry about than, um, you know, a hurry up team that's throwing, you know, a bunch of short passes and things like that, because I mean, they just, they just can do so much to you in those power formations. What about, you know, and, and you, you get to go around practice, I, I bet every now and again, when you get a, a free opportunity, you know, what are some of the things they do at practice to develop their guys? You know, are they going multiple groups at the same time? Because I mean, the, the whole theory of NDSU football is, I mean, they're taking high school kids, you know, 99% of them are going to red shirt. 
so they can put weight on them and then they can teach them the system. And then all of these guys just develop, 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 and they just keep getting better and better because of the number yeah. of reps that they're getting. Yeah. They, they do like that. They do a double rep system in practice. That's really cool to watch. I mean, there's always a play going on. So it's like, I mean, the, the way that they're practicing, they've, they're almost getting their guys ready for all these spread concepts, right? Like the way that they're mm-hmm. fired on to practice with this double rep system is, I mean, they're going. They've got two balls down and, you know, one play snaps, and as soon as it's over, the next ball is being snapped and it's going. So uh, they're, they're double repping everything. But I, I tell you what, uh, the thing that at NDSU um, that catches my attention the most is um, the type of leadership that these kids have had. I mean, Coach Kleiman yeah. and his coaches have developed these leaders to where – and Coach Kleiman talks about this all the time, and then, and then you go out there and you see it to where when a kid – when a kid makes a mistake, a kid makes a mistake. But if a kid makes a mistake at NDSU and it's effort-based, it's it's not one of the coaches that is on that kid. It is one of the current players. And, again, it's one of those things where you almost roll your eyes at it because you've heard so much about it until you get here. And then you're here. And I didn't play in that type of culture. I wish I would have. Um, and it makes you think like it makes you think that you could have just been a better leader while you were a college player. Right. And it's just a it's a really unique culture here where every single coach and kid is bought in. And I mean, I envy what those guys have built. It would be so fun, as, as you guys probably appreciate, too, now that you, when you see it, it'd be so fun to be a part of. Right. I mean, it just be, would be incredible to be a part of that where you know, you're a, you're a freshman and a, and a senior starting, you know, all American safety, like a kid like Trey Dempsey, who we just lost here, uh, is the one that cares enough about your mistakes to, to grab you at practice. And yeah, you know, might get in your face a little bit, but it's all, it's all out of the fact that, uh, Trey Dempsey and all the other leaders want, want you to be, um, a contributing part to the program later in your years. And it's just, it's something that's unique. Um, like I said, I didn't play in it and it doesn't happen everywhere. And it's, uh, it's an incredible thing. And it's definitely, um, the thing that sticks out, you know, the most to you at, at practice. Cause I'm not in there obviously in the, you know, film rooms cutting, you know, with what they're really <laughs> doing. I, I'm, this is all me watching through the games and all that kind of stuff. So, but you do notice the leadership. I mean, there's no doubt. And it, it starts with the coaches and these kids, they buy in. And by the time you've got juniors and seniors that are, um, you know, that are the leaders that they are. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to see. Lean, uh, the other thing I was going to ask you too, then, I mean, so you talk about, you know, that leadership culture, obviously that, that also starts in inside the, the uh, athletic director's office, you know, the guys that you have mm-hmm. to answer to. Uh, and then obviously the support that you have to the program, because let's, let's all be honest, if, if you don't have money and uh, you don't have yeah. things flowing in, you know, you, you're not going to be nearly as, as good. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the things you've learned there, the importance of it, you know, you know, some of the things maybe you're having to do with boosters, you know, with, mm-hmm. with some of the touchdown clubs and stuff like that. Because I think, yeah. you know, a, a lot of coaches out there, that's something that, you know, oh, the head coach worries about that. Well, when you become a head coach now, that kind of becomes something that's really pushed right. to the forefront. Yeah, and I, and I would think that that's one thing that if I had, you know, even advice for young coaches where you really, I mean, a lot of, a lot of young coaches are, are in these programs and they're learning X's and O's like crazy, right? Like no one doubts their knowledge there, but it's that aspect of, of college athletics where you really have to um, also train yourself. I think if you're going to be a head coach one day, because these head coaches now are kind of sit there as, as almost like, you know, CEOs of the program. And, and we have, we're just blessed here with coach Kleiman. I mean, he's, 
as, as much as myself and Jack Mon, who also works in development, think that we're the fundraisers, man, Coach Kleiman does. I mean, he absolutely makes our head spin with how much better he is at fundraising than we are. Um, so <laughs> He's it, got the it, name, it, man. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're blessed here at, at North Dakota State because of, you know, the, the passion that's been here for a long time. I mean, NDSU football has been going on for, I think, you know, we're talking 60, 70 years. I think they've had three or four losing seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've always had a good product here um, with, and they've done it with local kids, which our fans love. But, you know, it's one of the things that I always talk about now coming here and realizing it um, is in college athletics. One of the things that I'll always look for in terms of opportunities is you've got to work somewhere where people care. Um, man, people care here. It, it is unbelievable. We're so lucky that we have the support that we do. I mean, we're sitting here and it's July 10th and we've got every, every ticket for every, all seven home football games is sold. Um, it's just nuts to have that type of, uh, you know, community involvement with your team and have people that go want to come out and watch so much. But, um, we, you know, we, we do some things. I think, I think the thing that's most important is, is, you know, donors, especially people that have really treated you all for a long time. They just really like to have, they really like to have access as much as, as much as they want to, you know, maybe, uh, you know, myself or another person that works in development, as much as they really act like they want to, you know, play golf with us or whatever, you know, <laughs> what they really want to do is they want to see the student athletes and they want to see them in action. Right. So we do like this little thing in the fall and it's during a fall camp day and it's just in the morning. Um, and we do it, we call it coffee with climbing. And what we do is, is, is we invite some people that have been really good to our, to our program um, for a lot of years and we invite them in and we just put out like donuts and coffee and coach Kleiman comes in and he talks to the folks um, kind of about what's going on with the football team, but then um, really kind of gets into the nitty gritty about, about what, what they're going to go out and see at practice in terms of, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. And, then we let the well, then we let the folks go out and watch a practice, and then you really feel like you're part of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're hearing from the coach of you know things to look for, guys to look for, kids that have had good camps, why they're doing the rep system that they way the way that they are, and then the, and then we have um, you know the, the people go out and watch practice one day, and it's been it's been a huge hit, and that has more impact than than anything is being able to see the student athletes appreciating how hard they work. Um, you know, watching the kids develop into leaders is is the most important thing because at the end of the day, this is all about the student athletes and um, being able to essentially show off to the folks that support them of just how how hard these kids work and and um, you know all, all the all the great things that they're doing. And with and with all the you know home games sold out, it makes it awesome for the players. There's nothing like going to a sold out <laughs> yeah. stadium and playing football. I mean, it makes everything so much better. And there's nothing like going to a stadium that holds thirty thousand and only five thousand being there. That's <laughs> yeah. That's the flip side, and yeah. that's no fun. And I don't know if you guys are have ever been up here. That's uh, it's tough. I know you guys are doing all that coaching, but you know this has turned into this is in my opinion this has turned into an absolute bucket list um, place when it comes to, when it comes to college football. Um, yeah. And I think, I think a, a part of it is because of, because of where we are in uh, Fargo and that it, that it is FCS. I think that it's part of the, part of it. That's why it's the bucket list because of how big of a deal it is for 
um, FCS. I mean, the tailgate scene is as good as I've seen, and I've got to see some pretty cool places. Um, maybe not in terms of it, it, it on how big it is. I mean, it's pretty big, but just in terms of how how into it people are. I mean, this place is 1A in my opinion, and yeah, maybe I carry some bias with me now, but um, the tailgate scene, um, North Dakota State's got one of the coolest entries in college football. They shut the lights down. They play a video. Um, you know, they blast music and these guys come out of the locker room. They kind of follow them out of the locker room with the camera. guys. I mean, it is, if, you know, I mean, Clemson comes to mind, Virginia tech in terms of the best, the best entries in college football, this has got to be right up there. And I think it's huge, you know, for the guys, when you get, when you get it, when you get a stadium that 10 minutes before kickoff is packed, people are waiting for it. Um, it's as loud as can be. They shut the lights down and people just start going bonkers, right? I mean, it just, it's actually, it's actually a pretty cool thing. My favorite thing to watch is when, is, uh, is when a visiting team is, is in the Fargo Dome. You can tell if a team is maybe a conference opponent because they know what goes on and they keep their team in the locker room. They keep their team in the locker room for the entrance. And then you get like a, you get like a club that comes in here and it's maybe their first time. And, uh, and they get into, they are, you know, they get out on the field to, uh, to start the game and, and they're out there before NDSU gets out there and they witness and they witness the entrance. And it just becomes one of those situations where you see these kids and their reaction and you're thinking, Oh God, this is over. <laughs> this, is, this is already, this is already so over. So I just got in my car. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, you're good, man. Okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, it's it's our fans feed off of that. I think that not only have they, you know, the coaches and student athletes done such a good job of putting together this championship product, but now on top of that, the um, the administration, everybody's done such an awesome job of creating this game day atmosphere that is as good as anywhere you can go. So even though if people want to say that it's you know okay, it's FCS and you're playing South Dakota State and you're not playing you know, Auburn, man, on Saturday in the Dome, it doesn't feel any smaller, I'll tell you that. Hmm. Well, well, how does that work? Because I'm, I'm completely known zero about it, but how does it – you'd think after just me, because I'm not the smartest and I don't know all the rules behind everything, but you think you win six national championships in FCS, then you'd be an FBS. But, but how does – you know, how do they even – how do they measure who's an FCS, who's an FBS, and, and all that stuff? I mean, in a quick – just quick terms. Yeah, so I mean, our our FCS division is uh, uh, football championship series. So the big difference is, is we have less scholarships than F, than FBS does. So we have we have twenty less scholarships than than the FBS does. Um, and you know, a lot of people talk about because of our success at FCS. Uh, you know, why haven't you moved up to FBS? Well, there's just a lot that goes into it. First of all, um, you know, we we've got a great department that's doing great things in our current our current league and everything like that. And and life is good and our student athletes are graduating and getting great grades and, and doing great things. And I think that it's one thing where if the opportunity comes to go FBS someday, I mean, I'm sure NDSU would listen, but it's, it's gotta be, it's, it's the whole department, right? It's not just the football team. So, mm. and there's just so many, there's so many things that go into it um, in terms of finding a league and all this kind of stuff with extra scholarships and all, and all that jazz. So, um, you know, the, the the FCS has been so fun to be a part of, and it's so good with uh, all the success and the national championships that North Dakota State has 
has been able to win that, um, you know, life is good right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I bet. I was going to say too, I mean, you've kind of seen it trickle over into the, uh, the other programs. I know you're always a big proponent for everybody in the athletic department. And that's awesome. You know, the, the golf teams winning conference championships and getting to go to some of the tournaments, yeah. you know, the, the men's basketball team's been in the NCAA tournament and come pretty close to, to, to beating some squads. I mean, you've seen some of that stuff trickle over and, and a lot of people, I think initially were like, well, you know, NDSU, FCS will be they'll be okay in football but these other sports they won't be able to compete you know in the in the big boys because you know even though you're FCS in football you're D1 in every other sport and NDSU hasn't yeah. had any problem doing that yeah so I mean you look at it I mean you look at the accomplishments of the rest of our program has been just been remarkable I mean we, we we've got such good coaching top to bottom um, you look at like our softball team last year in the NCAA tournament uh, beat Oklahoma, and they're the only team to beat Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament. And Oklahoma went on to win uh, the Women's College Softball World Series, and our and NDSU beat them in the first round, and then Oklahoma advanced to the consolation and ended up coming back and beating NDSU later. Um, yeah, men's basketball program also beat Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament. Um, yep. You look at the success that, that they've had, and then like our track programs, I, I don't even know what our women's track program is at in terms of consecutive indoor and outdoor titles it's in like the 20s now they've won 20 straight consecutive titles and this year on the men's and women's side on, on track we had the number one ranked throwing units in the entire country not just at our level but in the entire country so you're talking you know better throwers than arkansas and ohio state and michigan and all that kind of stuff so um and these are a lot of kids uh these are a lot of kids from north dakota so it's been it's been special to be a part of some place that's been that 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 does so so well on the field our athletic director Matt Larson preaches that all the time. It's it's one of our kind of pillars here. It's just the broad based excellence. Is yeah, the, I mean the football might might get the most attention, and everyone's as proud as can be of the football program. Uh, but this is a well rounded program up here where where we're having success uh, on and off the field, and and, and literally every program. And, and if a current program is not having success now or the type of success they're used to. They've had it in the past, and there's no doubt that they'll be back there in the future. So um, we're supported great. We're fully funding all of our scholarships. That's a, that's a tip of the cap to our director of athletics, Matt Larson, has gotten us fully funded. And what I mean by that is um, we're at the NCAA max for all our scholarships, which is, which is incredible for our level. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that comes from the top with Matt, and he's just had a goal of, we're gonna give uh, give our student athletes the best experience possible, and we're gonna do we're gonna do whatever we can to give our coaches and student athletes the resources to win, and uh, to be good students also while they're here. And it's been uh, incredible results. Lean, talk a little bit about you know the the cost of attendance and the 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 paying of of college athletes. You know, obviously you were a college athlete, and I'm sure you had to to rack up some student loans going to to Augustan, even though you did play and you had really really good grades. You know, talk talk a little bit about you know the importance of that and and being able to give some of these kids you know a little bit of spending money to enhance that that athletic performance for them. Yeah, it's a huge thing, and NDSU is kind of the first school in our league to jump into that cost of attendance. Um, that's a big that's a big expenditure for a program the size of the size of North Dakota State. And and Matt, our director, this opposite uh, direction of of other schools that maybe said, okay, we're going to try it out with football or we're going to try it out with the two basketball programs and volleyball, let's say, 
is Matt decided that if we're going to do cost of tenants, we're going to do we're going to do it all in. And uh, you know, it added a it added a big cost to the department, but I think it's something that uh, that obviously the student athletes appreciate um, when you're giving them everything that you can give them uh, to be successful and to and to uh, maybe enhance their recruitment even. Um, but it's also something that we see actually donors getting behind. I mean, donors understand the importance of these kids getting through with a little bit less debt and then actually being able to have um, a little bit of spending money if that's what it turns out to be uh, for the kids. And so I think that uh, I think that it's a huge thing for our, for our recruitment and for our department to be proud of the fact that we give the, uh, the cost of attendance out for every scholarship here. And so, um, yeah, I, get, uh, I, I was lucky enough to get through Augie without any debt um, because of probably some, you know, private school. So that probably got some Norwegian Heritage Award or something to go with my <laughs> uh, to go with my football scholarship. But definitely got some when I went through through law school. So I definitely know the pains of of student debt. But um, yeah, the, the college pay thing for me is uh, is a unique topic. Um, it's I, you work at a place like North Dakota State and, and University of South Dakota, and you really you can't fathom um, kids getting above cost of attendance a because of what it would have been like to get the cost of attendance as a student athlete, and b because it's just no way it can happen, right? I mean, paying college athletes more than cost of attendance at our level is tough, um, but then you see things, you know, like uh, a guy like you know. Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban or something making $10 million a year. And at that level, you start to think like, okay, something seems off there, but um, <laughs> I, I still lie on the side that I still lie on the side that um, a, a college education is, is worth its weight in gold and that there's nothing more important um, for a, a, an 18 to 22 year old kid to have. And if you're getting a college education for free, and you're getting to play, um, you're getting to compete in Division One at, at the top of it, and make make uh, the you know friends that are going to last a lifetime, um, meet people from across the country, um, graduate with no debt. I think that that's just as good as getting paid. Um, and and in my opinion, um, you know, I think I think there 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 needs uh, kids need to be grateful for that opportunity because obviously it's a privilege, not a right. And there's uh, a lot of kids that want to play college athletics that don't get the opportunity. Nonetheless, the opportunity to play and get their education completely paid for. So I think it's definitely, like you said, it's uh, you know, kind of uh, heated, not necessarily a heated debate, but guys kind of come up on one side or the other, obviously being college football player, when I was coming up, I always wanted to get paid, you know, <laughs> obviously as a player, yeah. but uh, well, like you said, you can only, you know, there's only so much money to go around. It, it costs now, you do it with one program, you get it with other programs. But I always thought the, you know, the kind of the crazy part was that guys couldn't make money off their own name, or they couldn't sell a football, and yeah. make, you know, and, and yeah. obviously I get it, and that it's got to be fair. And then certain schools get donors, and certain you know schools wouldn't, I guess. But um, that was always the part that I was kind of always upset with that that you know the quarterback that could make you know Johnny Manziel could make two million dollars selling football sign footballs. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate that yeah, and that's kind of like the, that that's kind of like the Olympic that. model. Sure, that's what I think people refer to as the, the Olympic model, where Olympic athletes don't quote unquote get paid, but they can sign an endorsement deal and things like that. And you know that would I think have its challenges too. I mean, you just think of dynamics. I think to me, like I'm not talking about on the, the legal face or anything, but yeah, I think you think of dynamics, right? Like if you've got a if you've got a quarterback in a college program like a Johnny Menzel and 
you just saw that he signed a Nike deal for a million dollars. And, and then as a leader, you're going to jump on your fullback for, for, for not kicking out the defensive end in practice. And there, I just think the dynamics of that, that would be, would be um, really interesting. You know what I mean? Of how sure. that works of some guys making money and some guys not are better off taking the stance that, that these guys are going to get quote unquote paid by getting their college education and, uh, and, 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 and giving everyone kind of the same opportunity. So I couldn't imagine, man, could you imagine being on a college team where some guy's got <laughs> getting a little money because he's going down to a car no. dealership and signing some footballs and yes. And you got, uh, you got an offensive guard who, you know, maybe is uh, the best player on the team because he's battling every day and he's not getting anything. I mean, that would just be crazy. I think so. It'd be wild. He, he'd better make uh, really good friends with the guy getting paid. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. I love for sure, Lean. You take the uh, the Jay Billis uh, lawyer lawyer angle on that one, but you, you stayed away, man. That was a good job of litigation. Yeah, you know, on, on the part. face of it, like like legally, right? When Jay Billis breaks it down, he's got a, a lot of hard stuff to argue with, right? Like legally, I, I mean, I don't know. There's probably an argument for it, but um, man, I don't know. College college athletics gave me a great opportunity. College athletics gave Jay Billis a really good opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, college athletics is still giving Jay Billis a really good opportunity. I think it's kind of funny. Sometimes he talks about the people profiting off of college athletics and he never wants to point the finger at himself. Um, Cause that guy's <laughs> profiting off college athletics for like, I, you know, you know what I mean? As good as anyone. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, obviously people, you know, getting paid coaches, getting paid a lot of money these days to coach and, they're bringing in a lot of money for the school and I'm doing a lot of good things, but you know what, to me, uh, I, I was a college athlete. It gave me a great opportunity. I am where I am because I was a college athlete and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it. And so I probably have a little bit different of a view now that I work in it too, because I get to see all these kids that come through North Dakota state and Oklahoma state and earn their degrees and, you know, uh, go on and do awesome things because they were given an opportunity. So, um, when you see it firsthand, like you guys do, I think I think you you kind of um, are a little bit more of a realist when it comes to it. You take the side of man, these uh, these kids are getting a great opportunity to uh, to, to get a, a life changing experience, and um, I think that that's uh, that's just as good as getting paid. It may not seem like it with your bank account, but I think <laughs> that's it is. right. No, at the time it doesn't seem like it, but you know now being out of it, now seeing what me being out of debt and seeing what other people being in debt and their teachers and their however many thousands of dollars in debt um, and they're paying off their debt for whatever the next 20 years because they're teachers. I mean, it's just like, Oh wow. I mean, it wasn't what yeah. I would have liked to have more money at the time or find a way to do that. But <laughs> it's really, really nice not to have any debt coming out of college. Right. And you know what? And I, and I get it. And you know, I wasn't a kid obviously that was going to made a bunch of money. And so, uh, it's, you know, uh, at the highest level kids that could make, you know, you know, amount of money that really changes their life. But man, being, being a broke college kid are like some of the best memories of my life. Right. So that <laughs> now that you're not in it anymore, it doesn't seem that fun at the time, but like, <laughs> it's better you know, now. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring out how you and your buddies are going to get through the weekend and doing whatever social activities you decide to do. I mean, those are some of the, you know, most fun memories that I have. And so it didn't seem like it right. Like in the moment, but man, looking back now, it's like, you know, who, who wasn't a college athlete or even a college student for that matter that wouldn't right now for, for a little bit, go back and experience those, those days again, because 
they, uh, man, I got nothing but good memories from being a broke college student. That's for sure. Well, Lean, I think it's a good segue because now, you know, you're not only, you know, a former football player, you're not only an assistant AD doing some, some developmental stuff, you're also a dad. So you yeah. got to be able to think about some of these things. You know, one of the hot button deals we see, you know, would you let your son play football when your son grows up? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, uh, you know, my answer is, of course. And I have actually, you know, awesome. I think it's something that you look at and it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you get all this negative attention on, 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 on football, the head injuries now, but I don't think there's any argument that football now is safer than it ever was. And it's because of all the attention, right? It's because mm-hmm. of the medical attention. It's because of the research. It's because of the awareness of head injuries now. And like, I mean, even back when I played a little bit, I mean, you got your bell rung a little bit. You were back on the field. There's so much research and attention on it now, as as there should be, that I think that football now has become safer than it ever has been. And I think it's just going to continue to get safer as technology grows around helmets and, and the rules develop and all this kind of stuff that, in my opinion, football is safer now than it was when I played and it's just continued to get better. And, um, you know, I just think that, I think that, you know, obviously a game that I love and I learned so much from. So the answer would be, yeah, my, my son's name is Gino. If Gino would decide that, uh, he, that he wants to take up football someday. Um, I'm obviously, I'm obviously all. And, um, I think that people that are steering their kids away from football because of fear of a, of a, of a head injury, are a little misled by the by the attention. I think it. I think that, um, like I said, uh, technology is getting better. The research is getting better. The coaching is getting better um, in terms of making the game safer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't have let Gino play if football looked like it did in the 1960s. I mean, those guys that don't <laughs> face fast, arm barring each other across the face and all that stuff. And then I think when you really look at you know guys with CTE and stuff, I think that it's um, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, so I don't know the details behind the research, but I think that some of it will show that a lot, that some of it's either, you know, genetics or there's just no stopping some of the CTE that happened in some people. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe football contributes. Um, and these are guys that have played at a high level for a really long time that were really high impact. Um, you know, at the NFL is a whole different type of violence than it is at the, the high school and the college level. But, um, I, I think it's just one of those things of, yeah, the game's getting safer. And so by the time Gino can play football, I think that it, that football is going to be here. I know that there's that fear there that it's changing, but if football is going to be here and football is going to be safer than it is even today. And, um, and I, and I can't wait for him to play if he decides to play, you know, maybe he'll, <laughs> maybe he'll be in the gold star marching band playing the piccolo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be playing fullback, kicking the end. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, like a guy that I work with, Jack uh, Jack Mon is a uh, he's actually my boss at NDSU. He's a former wrestler at uh, at, at NDSU and was a former wrestling coach. He always tells me that uh, he always tells me that Gino's going to play the piccolo, and the reason why he's playing the piccolo is because the flute was too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Lean, I could talk to you all day, man. I know you got stuff going on. I know Coach Harper's got a role, so uh been awesome getting caught up with and i'll let coach harp kind of ask the last question we do man we'll send you on your way yeah so uh last one i always ask is when you're watching you know someone else's offensive line uh what's some things they would be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach 
Yeah, you know, and and I think that uh, we've got we've got one of the best off- offensive line coaches in the country at NDSU, and Connor Riley, a guy that likes to get on the golf course. I like to get on the golf course a little bit too, and he's got a. I tell you what, for an offensive line coach, to be the smoothest athletes. This guy's got a smooth golf swing too. Um, <laughs> a smart guy, uh, a great coach, and you know, I think that the the biggest thing that you really see in an offensive lineman. This is, you know, I'm not into the X's and O's anymore. So you look at. I think you just look at attitude, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing with offensive linemen. I think that they guys that finish plays and um, they get downfield and block. We've had so many running plays here where you actually kind of giggle when you see this 330-pound tackle from North Dakota and he's 40 yards downfield. And I think it's funny just trying to chase a DB, you know what I mean? It's like not even trying – maybe they don't even get there every time, but the fact that these guys are downfield and they're trying to finish plays, I think – to anyone's eye, you can see that, um, is you can see effort and, and being able to finish. And the kids do it here, obviously, as good as anyone in the country. And I think that when you when you see an O-line, especially at high school, is you just want to see kids that are playing hard and trying to finish and and uh, they have the right attitude to be O-linemen um, because it's obviously not the most the most glorified position. Um, the guys that play football know that it's, it's probably the most important one, but um, – uh, you just want to see kids finish, and that's something that you uh, that became you know something that you look for when you get to North Dakota State because we've had some seriously good offensive linemen here, and uh, we've had some really good units, and they've been well coached, and they've had the right attitude, and they want to finish plays, and man, they do. And there's nothing there's nothing more beautiful than when you get a, an, an offensive lineman 20 yards downfield, and he maybe cuts down a safety or something. I think. Uh, uh, well, hey, I don't know. Maybe, maybe when an offensive lineman is downfield, they get a chance to recover a fumble or something. But uh, um, I think that's the uh, I think that's the thing that that anyone, whether you know how much you know about football or uh, watch, you can you can definitely notice the most. Well, Lee, man, I'm I'm excited to uh, to get up there at some point. I know Coach Harper's been chomping at the bit. He it seems like he texts me about every other weekend. He's like, "Hey, Walls, man, when are we going to go up to NDSU? When are we going to go up to NDSU?" Yeah. So we're just kind of waiting for that time, but. You know, I want to get up there, play some golf with you, man, and and hopefully maybe go work a camp or something like that. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.